Hey, good morning. We're just getting ourselves set up here because this is the first time that we're doing what we're doing right now. Yes, you do. Yeah, it would be great if Allison actually gets a mic. Let her actually talk. Um, just bad jokes about how churches have handled women uh, speaking there, but uh, I'm going to try to stay out of it. Yeah. So we're trying something new here uh, that I think is going to be really fun. It's called an all-of-life interview because here at Cedar Valley, we care about actually living out the call of Jesus on our lives in every part of our lives. And for all of us, most of our time is spent in work, whether we go to work, whether we work at our home, whether we work at school. Our lives are full of work, and that's where we spend most of our time. So we really hope that that's where God works the most through us. And so... An all-of-life interview is just going and asking some questions about somebody's work and how they see God being present in that and what's going on there. So we're going to give this a shot. I've got some questions written down. So Allison, tell us a little bit about yourself. And yeah. Okay. For those of if there's anybody here who hasn't met you yet, what do they need to know? Okay. Well, my name is Allison Pankratz. Um, I am a teacher, so that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. I'm also a mom. I have three kids, um, ages 11, 9, and 7. I can get that right. Um, and yeah, we live in Mission here. We co-own a Christmas tree farm, and yeah, we're busy people. Awesome. Yeah, you already mentioned that Monday to Friday, you are at school, unless... Mm. Well, there's pro-D days. I don't know how all this I have works. Wednesdays off, too. It's okay. lovely. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, what do you love about your work in education, being a teacher? Well, I love kids. I really enjoyed being with kids, like, my whole life. Um, I was one of those people who was like, I think I want to be a teacher in, like, grade three, and then actually became one, which is cool. Um, and my job, specifically, I'm a learning support teacher, so I work with kids who just need a little extra support to approach education with success and um, yeah I just kids are so fun like there's never the same day at a school ever so lots of variety okay and kids are fun but every job has I love this phrase it's thorns and thistles yes <laughs> um, yeah what are some of the challenges that you see in your workplace um, well challenges even just with kids like it is hard kids some kids are struggling right now. There's lots of really amazing parts of education, but you really see forefront and clearly kids are struggling like emotionally, academically. You can see the brokenness of families, very apparent in the impact that you see on the kids at school. Um, so that's tough, but you know, there's ways that you can try to make solutions and help support those kids. Um, but right now it's hard to be a Christian teacher in public education. I think there's a lot of like the government has a very specific view about how to raise kids and the role of school in the kids' lives. And um, there can be a lot of polarizing views. Um, and so I think right now the hardest part is navigating how that looks as a Christian teacher. I really try and I want to walk the line of truth but with grace and loving my coworkers. Um, there's lots of strong opinions and now we're almost at that point where there's like no gray area that you can kind of work in between. Like mm -hmm. it's, yes, I agree, or no, I don't agree. Um, and so just trying to bridge that gap and um, yeah, share my views with 
teachers in a strong and bold way, and I'm struggling with that right now, I'll be very honest, because um, now you're kind of at that point that if you don't agree, then there's a bit of like, oh, well, that, then you don't love people. And that is absolutely not what the Bible is teaching at all. Um, so how to share that view and to do it well, to do it very much aligned with the truth of the Bible and sharing it with courage, but with grace as well. So yeah. it's hard. Wow. Yeah, that leads yeah. into the next question. It's like, how do you see God working in your workplace, but also like how do you see yourself challenged to follow Jesus and love people, which you kind of got into the follow right Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's really cool, actually. Um, I have a coworker who I would say is able to work that courage into his life. He um, approached me. He's like, I want to start a prayer meeting here at school hmm. so that we can pray for our kids, like before we start our day, just once a week. And I was like, yes, I will absolutely join you. But like he initiated that idea. And then we were trying to figure out how we could make sure that People knew it wasn't something that they weren't allowed to come to if they weren't a Christian or like it was kind of an open invitation. And so the idea of it was to pray for the kids, but it's really extended itself so much because there's staff coming in who are like, well, I don't know what this is, but yeah. I'd love to come. And a few staff members, um, we share like a little devotional at the beginning and they're like, well, where did you get that? I'm like, oh, it's the Bible app. So like, they were like, oh, tell me how to download it. Like, how cool is that? Like, it's so cool. So it's neat to see when like that coworker had courage mm. and then to see how God honored that and how it didn't shut people down or push them away. Like it really, it's, it's a really neat thing to be a part of. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Like, so like, for I me just, to have that courage though, that's what I need. <laughs> Cause I just love to have my kid go to school and know that some of the staff are praying for them mm -hmm. and then seeing how God's even using that to impact the other staff is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. So how can we pray for you, um, for the staff around you? Um, so courage, I think I've touched on that okay. a bunch of times, if you didn't catch it. Um, yeah, just to, to be able to speak truth and to let people know, like my coworkers know that just because I disagree doesn't mean I don't mm -hmm. love them. Mm -hmm. And just because the Bible might say something else, God doesn't hate them. Like mm -hmm. he is a God of love. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just being able to relay, relay that message articulately um, and then just pray for our schools, pray for the Lord to just be present in them. Christian schools, private schools, public schools, all of them, like these kids are our future, right? And so, and just, yeah, radical transformation. Like I think that that's, it's a big prayer, but yeah. our God is a God of big miracles. And so let's pray. Yeah, let's do it. And before we pray though, I'd love if anybody else works in education, if you could just raise your hand so we can kind of look around and know who we're praying for together. If you're a teacher, you work in administration. Even former educators too. Okay, yeah, Alvina. Alvina's there. Awesome. Kathy, you used to. So there's, yeah, Karen, yeah. there's lots. Yeah, There's Kathy, a few hands like there's this. There's lots. Okay, okay. Well, yes, there's, yes, Michelle. All right, yeah. yeah, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Allison. We thank you for the work that you've given her in her school, um, both with the students and with the staff. We praise you for the task you've given each of us to do. Uh, we pray that you'd really give Allison wisdom as she navigates how to have courage, how to share the hopeful, freeing truth of who you are, um, and your character, your heart of love that you want to enter into people's lives to help them, to grow them, to bring hope and peace um, and kindness. 
And I pray that you just give all of us wisdom so we can discover how to bear witness to Christ in the world around us, in each of our workplaces. We thank you for the life and goodness that you've brought to Allison and what you're doing in their staff, like their staff prayer time. That's just amazing, God, that you're working there, that you've brought her to be a part of that. We pray that your presence would be there at her school, um, that you'd be working the hearts of the other staff members as they're maybe meeting you for the first time, getting to know who Jesus is for the first time in their life. We, we all have grace and strength to live Christ-centered lives in the places you send us. In your name, Lord, amen. Thank you so much. Let's give her a little hand. I know for many of us, being the, especially the first person to come up and be interviewed on stage is not the comfort zone. So I'm really appreciative of that. And I'm excited to just hear about how God's working in each of the different parts of our community, what he's doing. So let's see where we're going. I got to switch tracks to the message. And this morning, we're continuing our series of one another, how God challenges us not to just follow him on our own, but actually to follow him with one another. And as we all know, some, it can be a real blessing to follow Jesus with one another. It can also be um, a challenge, a blessing of being pushed to grow in character, right? And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, and what it says about that. So let's take a look at that together. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13. And this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. It's the early church figuring out what it means to follow Jesus um, after he gave them all these directions of, this is what it means to follow me. And then they're like, okay, but how do we actually do this now that we're doing it? And kind of the need to know now that we're in the moment. And Paul says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So this morning, we're going to be looking at what it means to serve one another. And particularly, the title of the sermon this morning is Stop Searching and Start Serving. Stop Searching and Start Serving. So let's pray and then see what God has to speak into our lives. God, we're so thankful that we get to be here. We're thankful that we get to gather with one another um, that we're all healthy enough, that we have the freedom to just gather. There's no persecution that's preventing us from that, and that you're present, that you're working here, that it's not just some encouraging words being spoken, but that you love to bring words alive and speak to our souls and challenge us and encourage us, say, hey, here's an area you can grow. Here's an area that I have better for you, and I want to invite you into that. I want you to have a life of more impact, a life of more love and grace and peace and kindness. And I can take you there. And we're thankful for that. And we want to go on that journey with you this morning. In your name, amen. So when I started thinking about serving one another, I ended up thinking of a really weird scenario. Um, how many of us have flown on a commercial airplane? Most of us. Okay, if there's any of you guys that missed out on flying on a commercial airplane, uh, there's not very much foot room. Um, they charge you a lot of money. The snacks, in my opinion, aren't great. There's a lot you can complain about. 
But there's a part that honestly is probably the part that annoys me the most is you get on there and before you take off, they do like the safety briefing and they guilt trip you of, you should listen to this. Your life might depend on it. The life of the person next to you might depend on it. You should listen to this. So the first couple times I flew on a plane, I listened to it. Now I'm a terrible person. I put in my earbuds. I listen to a podcast. I read a book. But in the safety briefing, they go over, okay, if things go really horribly wrong on this flight, like can you imagine if you got in a car and the driver's like, so if things go really horribly wrong on this drive, here's what to do. But we're on an airplane, so they're like, if things go really terribly wrong on this flight, at some point, these oxygen mask things are going to drop down from the ceiling. And you want to put it on and start breathing. Pretty simple, right? We got them for you. You'll be fine. We're providing for you. Put it on and start breathing. Then help the person next to you, right? Pretty simple. Don't suffocate while trying to help the person next to you. Get yourself taken care of, then help the person next to you. And I feel like it's nightmare material, though. Because you ever have those nightmares where things go really wrong? Like, you keep trying to do the right thing, it keeps going wrong. I just have this nightmare pop into my head of I'm on a plane, the air mass dropped down, the oxygen mass dropped down, and I go to grab one, and there's not oxygen, like, there's water in it. There's not oxygen. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working. So then I go and I try to find another one and like, it won't come down. I can't put it on. It doesn't fit. So then I go and try to find another one and you just keep running into more and more problems. And you're trying to follow the rules and get care of yourself. There's somebody next to you and they're like a small child and they can't reach. And so they need you to get your mask on so then you can help them. And you're just struggling to get oxygen for yourself. And then you finally get one that's actually got oxygen in it. But then you're so scared that you're like, (laughs) <laughs> and like hyperventilating and, and you're freaking out because it doesn't feel like there's enough oxygen for you. And all these things go wrong. And you're like, what does this crazy scenario have to do with serving one another? But there's this searching process for oxygen. And in our lives, I think that we all inside of us have We feel like there's something that we need, something that would fulfill us, something that would feel like oxygen in our lungs if we could just find it. I know that's the case for me, that in my life there's there's an inner, there's a spiritual thing that I'm like, I feel like I'm breathing, but I'm not getting enough life. I feel like I'm breathing, I'm just not being fulfilled. And so you go and you start looking for it. You can look for it in so many different places. You can go, if I find enough money in my life to feel secure that my, I'll be good and my family will be good, then it'll take care of this, like, this freaked out fear, this lack of fulfillment inside of me. Or if I live my life the right way and I get married and I have kids and I have the house and everything is in order, then I'll feel like I'm breathing finally. And there's so many different things that can do that to us. And sometimes it's like, if I can just find the purpose for my life, you probably, like most of us, especially like in high school, you hit that point where you're like, what's my purpose in life? What did, like, what am I actually meant to do? And you're like, if I can find that and start doing that, then I'm going to start to find fulfillment in life. And hopefully at some point in your life, 
you've met Jesus, you had an experience with God. And that can, experience can happen so many different ways. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's hearing a scripture verse. Sometimes it's having the spiritual experience. But hopefully at some point in your life, you had an experience with God where you're like, wait, God is that oxygen that I've been missing in my life. God is that fulfillment that I have been lacking. And then in that moment of connection with God, I feel like you're taking a big breath of fresh air where you're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm fulfilled. Things are how they're supposed to be. What's always felt wrong, what's always felt off, what's always felt missing is finally here. I hope that you felt that experience. But what's crazy is that might not always last. You might find God and you feel like your lungs are full of oxygen. Maybe you were at a retreat or there was a particular sermon of mine that was just so good. I, right? I have such good sermons sometimes. And you're like, man, it feels like oxygen in my lungs. And then you go back to life and you're missing that feeling. And so you start searching for it. And life involves a lot of searching, right? And so you start searching in your work. You start going, if I just change how I do my work, or if I just work more, or if I just get the right job, then I'm going to feel fulfilled. I'm going to, I'll be okay, and I can quit searching. If I just get my family on the right track, if I just find the love of my life, because some of us are still looking for the love of our life. You're like, if I just find the love of my life, then things will be in order, and my life will be okay. And we start searching, out, and we start looking at our bank account number, and we're like, if I just have enough emergency savings. Okay, now if I am just putting enough in my retirement savings. Like, that's the one that gets me. Like, sometimes I start to be hungry in my life, and I start to feel like there's something off, and I start going, okay, maybe it's my bank account number. And for each of us, there's different things, and we start searching, and we start looking, and we start hunting for it. And maybe you're even like, man, the problem is I'm not feeling close enough to God. So I need to start doing more things to make God want to be close to me. I need to sin less. I need to tithe more. I won't object to you tithing more. But you shouldn't do it for this reason ever. But you start going, if I just give more to God, then he'll be close to me. If I just volunteer at church, God will be close to me. If I just talk about, if I just share about Jesus more with other people, then he'll be close to me. And we start even searching and it's like putting that oxygen mask on, but then you start going, there's not enough oxygen coming out. You start going, ah, 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 ah and trying to force more out of God when he's like, that's not what you need. And so when Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he saw them searching. He saw them searching for that fulfillment, for that oxygen in their lives. Let's look at what he said again. says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't go searching in sin to find satisfaction. Don't go searching here and there in your work, in your family, even in good things. Don't go searching to fulfill your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. You have the freedom. Go and serve one another. Stop searching. Start serving. 
And he continues on. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul's just like casually saying this little phrase. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you're like, okay, that's a nice saying. Great. But he's actually pointing back to one of the hardest directions, one of the clearest directions that Jesus ever gave. He's like, a lot of the people probably in this church in Ephesus were alive when Jesus was on earth and told the story that he's referencing. So let's go look at that story. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, Jesus has a religious person come to him and try to figure out, okay, what does it take to be good enough? What does it take to make this whole religion thing work? So one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Because at this point, Jesus had come to the Jewish people who had been following God for a long time. And they'd been following the systems of law called the law of Moses that God had given hundreds and hundreds of years before. And so they're pretty good at following. So this guy's coming with a religious question. He's like, what have we always done? What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. It's that simple. The whole law is summed up in this. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because he's like, let's just be clear here. Make sure that I've got this. Who's my neighbor? And now Jesus turns it on its head and makes it difficult. And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. And I've never been to Jerusalem or Jericho. Most of us haven't gone on this journey. But I imagine this journey kind of like if we're driving from Mission to Vancouver. This person's driving along from Mission to Vancouver. And along the way, something goes horribly wrong. They have to stop for gas in where I lived for the last five years, so I think I can say this, in Surrey. And the reputation is not accurate. It's not that bad. But the cliche Surrey thing happened. He stops for gas. He gets robbed. They take his shoes. They take his watch. They take his car. They leave him on the side of the road after beating him up. And he was attacked by bands. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. So in modern terms, a pastor came along. A pastor is driving along past the gas station. He saw this man lying there. And he's like, I, I have got to go. I got to write a good sermon this week. So I'm going to change lanes so I don't have to really even notice this and get to the office so I can write my sermon. I'm adding a little bit in here. I'm making some assumptions. But when he saw the man lying there, he chose to cross to the other side of the road and pass him by. And then a temple assistant, not quite a priest, maybe a youth pastor, maybe a worship leader, was walking by on the sidewalk because he's a youth pastor. He can't afford a car. So he's walking by on the sidewalk. And he looks down and he sees this guy. And he's like, oh, no. I have to have the best game for youth this week. I still got to get to Walmart and get the pool noodles. I don't have time to help. I'm sure somebody else will. And he goes by. 
And his temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, it's funny because Samaritans were the, from Samaria, the nation next to Israel that was looked down upon harshly. There was some, I'm trying to think of the right term. Yeah, there was some hate for this people group, which we've never had in Canada ever. But there's some hate for this people group. But this guy who knew that he was hated by the people where he was, was saw the man and he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them up. He took him in his car. He took him to the emergency room. He got him healed up. And he didn't just leave him at the hospital. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. He took him to a hotel where he took care of him. And he gave the hotel his credit card and said, if it, whatever it costs, just charge my card. I'll deal with the bill. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, go now and do the same. But here's the problem. I'm sure that those that walked by had good things to do. They weren't just like, I just hate people, so I'm just going to let this guy die on the side of the road. But I know that at least most of the time when I walk by someone, instead of serving them, it has something to do with what's going on in my purpose, what's going on in my heart. Because when we're searching, we're not serving. When the pastor is searching for approval and needs to write the right sermon and doesn't trust that God can provide if he helps this man in need, then he, doesn't, he goes and searches and he tries to do it in his own strength and he doesn't have time to serve. When you have a coworker going through a lot and you also have your own job to do, if you're searching for success and fulfillment and don't trust God to provide in your work, then you're like, I have to just work harder and do this. And I'm sorry, I'll, I'll say that I'll pray for you later, but I can't take the time to actually be with you and serve you. If we don't believe that God's got it, then we go searching to provide for ourselves. And when we're busy searching for ourselves, when God gives us an opportunity to serve, we go, I'm too busy searching. And the problem is most of us here have already searched and found the one thing we need to find, who is God. And once you find God, he says, I am enough. You don't need to keep searching. The problem in the church in Galatia, or in, yeah, in Galatia. Wow, I'm sure I said Ephesus earlier. The church in Galatia, that's what we're looking at. The church in Galatia, the problem was that they were caught up in so many things other than letting God be enough. If we jump back to the beginning of chapter 5, maybe you even remember my awkward sermon about circumcision. First time I was here, you were like, hey, let's preach about circumcision. That'll be, that's a comfortable topic. But let's look at what it says. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. 
You're set free. You're searching. You found freedom. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up to slavery and to the law. Listen, I probably tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you're counting on the old law and the old processes and all these ways to get to God, it'll be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God, you're trying to find favor with God, you're trying to find fulfillment, if you're searching for what only God can give by being circumcised, by following this whole law, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. We who live by faith, uh, we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness, the right relationship. God has promised to us. That's the oxygen we're looking for, is the right relationship with God, where we know we are with God and that God loves us so much that he has everything we need. There's honey in the rock. There's manna wherever we go when we are with God. He has everything we need. And we know by, that when we're living in his spirit, by faith, we will receive right relationship with him and we will be with him and he's got everything you need so you can quit searching. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love, which happens to come out in serving others. So when Paul says in verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, he's saying Christ saw that following this whole law to have right relationship with God was keeping you so busy that you didn't have time to serve others and do what God made you to do. We know that we are created to serve others. You know when you take the time to slow down and serve others, that there's a fulfillment, there's a rightness to that where you're like, this is what I was meant to do as a human. It might not be comfortable, it might not be easy, but there's something about God, you go, I know that this is how I was wired to work as a human, was to actually stop searching for what I need and to actually serve others. And Christ came to give us freedom even from the law. So we're not busy following this whole set of sacrifices and cleansing laws, not because he was like, oh, the law is a bad idea, but because he wants to focus on having a heart of serving, not searching. We don't need to keep searching for right relationship. We have it. So let's serve. Even Jesus showed that. He often made people angry, the religious leaders angry, not because he was doing something bad, but because he was actually ignoring the law to serve others. They're like, hey, Jesus, why are you healing people on the Sabbath day? The law says the Sabbath day, you're supposed to rest. You, and they made up a bunch of rules specifically for how to make sure that you didn't cheat. And they're like, you can only walk this far. You, can only, you can't work. And healing people must be working. Serving people by healing them must be working. And Jesus is like, I'd much rather serve people than follow this law. But in our own lives, in your life, Oftentimes, it's not a, that you are like, I'm going to go out and chase sin. Sometimes you are chasing sinful desires, and you know that, and you got to deal with that with God. Oftentimes, you're doing something that could be good, but you're letting it get corrupted by forgetting that God has given us freedom. That he said, I want to be with you, and I will provide for you so you can focus on serving. You don't have to keep searching for what you need. I've got you. 
And so we walk into work. And instead of walking into work to serve our customers, to serve our coworkers, to serve our boss, to serve our clients, we walk into work to search for financial security, to search for a great reputation and affirmation and the right position, to search for this feeling of success. Instead of going home to our family to serve them and be like, how can I serve my screaming two-year-old this morning? How can I serve my wife or my husband? How can I serve my parents that are living with me? Instead, we're going, how can I search for the security that I feel I need in relationships. But if you're getting your security in relationships from God, if you're like securing your relationship with God, you don't have to search for security in your relationships with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents. You can actually focus on serving your spouse and your kids and your parents. And we walk through this in every part of our life. When I come up here to speak on Sunday morning, I can be searching for job security, which leads to financial security. I can be searching for your affirmation and support and that you guys like me and that I'm a lovable person. And that takes me away from the freedom that God's given me of saying, I'm walking with you. If you're with me, I've got you. You can just see a rock and I'm gonna bring honey and water out of that. You can see a wilderness and I can give you manna. You are free, if you're walking with me, you are free to just come up and serve people and speak whatever words I've given you to serve people. So whatever we're doing, there's this battle in our heart of whether we're searching or whether we're serving. And the serving part's not that hard once you stop searching. It's funny because just as much as inside of us, we feel this need for this fulfillment that only God can give we also feel this need to serve that comes alive when we give it the freedom to do that. But we've got to stop searching. We've got to say, I'm done searching. I found God. And sometimes, sometimes you're with God. One of the issues that can come up is you can be with God. You can be like, okay, I'm not searching everywhere. But sometimes we can actually search for God in a way that's not helpful. Just like that person that put on the oxygen mask and God's like, I'm giving you enough oxygen. And you put on the oxygen mask and there's some oxygen, but, there's not a, but you don't feel like it's enough. You start going, oh, 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 try to get more out of it. We can try to get more of God when God's like, I'm enough and I'm giving you what you need, but you're thinking that I'm going to give you something else. You think that you're, I'm going to give you stuff that you don't actually need. And so we go searching. We start trying to prove and earn our relationship with God. And God says, just be with me. Spend time reading scripture, hearing the words that authors have written over hundreds of years to share who I am with you. Read scripture, pray, listen for my voice, and spend time with one another in community where God so often serves us and speaks to us and provides for us. So if you're like, I feel like I can't stop searching, I don't feel like I'm quite fulfilled. Maybe you need to go to the source of oxygen and let him give it to you the way that he has designed you to receive it and called you to receive it. And then stop searching elsewhere and lean into some serving.
There's a song that I've been listening to a lot lately that just kind of highlights this. It's called Highlands by Hillsong Worship. But it says, oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? Oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you grace the other side. Oh, how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supplies? Because in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more or less inclined. I would search and stop at nothing. And I hope this is you when you're looking for God, that you would search and stop at nothing. But you're just not that hard to find. And that's the crazy thing. God's like, I'm here, I'm present. I'm not that hard to find. Just come and be with me. You can stop your searching. If you haven't picked up yet, there's, there's, a, there's, a, secret, there's a secret agenda to this sermon series, One Another. I'll give it away now because we're looking forward to next fall because next fall we're hoping to launch community groups in a new way and make it so there's a place for every single one of us to be part of a community group in our church. Because if you just come into a Sunday service, it's easy to kind of just be a consumer and be like, man, the worship fed me, the singing was good, the sermon might have been great, and then you walk out. And, you, and all these one another's, you can dodge them. And you're like, oh, well, that's not my problem because I don't have to actually deal with people in the church community. If you're like, man, all these one another's are great, but I'm not having to apply this in my life. That's why we have community groups that you're forced together. And you're like, man, I, now I have to, someone to forgive. Now I have someone to bear with. Now I have someone to serve. And we can walk together in community like God created us for. So we're working on getting that ready so that we can actually make sure we intentionally take a step into being with one another. Because I really believe that God does his best work when we're with one another. He, he does his best work when we're together. That's where he speaks the most. That's where he helps us serve the most. That's where he grows us the most and challenges us the most. I'm excited for that. So now you know, now you know the secret agenda. I'd like to close up in prayer. And I'll just warn you, it's going to be a little bit different of a prayer. But if you guys want to bow your heads, close your eyes with me. We're going to pray for a minute. God, we bring our lives to you. We bring our souls, our hearts, our minds, our strength to you, God. Because with all of us, we find ourselves searching. And sometimes we're searching in sin. Sometimes we're searching in alcohol and pornography and drugs. Sometimes we're searching in hobbies. We're searching in relationships. We're searching in work. We're searching in money. We're searching... And whatever we think might satisfy us, God, and we're not finding. I pray, I want to pray for those who are searching the wrong places. If this morning God has been putting on your heart that maybe you're just looking in the wrong places, I'd love if you just put your hand up quietly so I can just pray for you particularly. God's just saying, I want you to bring forward that I've been praying in the wrong places. If you want to just put your hand up, I want to pray over you. God, I pray for those of us 
that we've gotten caught up looking in the wrong places. We're, you've given us freedom when we're going back to slavery to sin. I pray that you give us freedom, that you give people to walk beside us, that we can be honest with, that we can confess to, that can hold us accountable, that can encourage us. And that every time that we turn away from the wrong place and we turn to you, that you would be so present and so clear that we would know that there's no place other than you that we can find fulfillment. God, I want to pray for those of us that are searching for more. If you've been following Jesus, but maybe you just keep going, God, it doesn't seem like you're enough. Maybe I need to do this or that to make you happier. Maybe I need to do this or that so you will be closer to me. Maybe I feel like you're distant from me because of who I am. And you're believing that lie from the devil that we have to be good enough before God will love us and be close to us. We want to repent of that. We want to bring that out of the open and let you change that. If that's going on in your life, if you want to just raise your hand for a moment, I want to just pray for you specifically. God, I just pray for those of us that aren't letting ourselves be satisfied with what you give, but we're looking for more from you. We're looking for different things than the good gifts that you have for us, God. That we're believing that we aren't enough for you, God. That we have to change for you to love us. That you don't just change us because you love us. I pray that you would bring truth into our lives of who you are. And that we would find you and and we'd see clearly how you are giving us everything that we need. Those of us who are not breathing, like sometimes the mask is there and we forget to breathe. We get so busy in life that we just forget to take care of ourselves. We forget to spend time with you, God. We forget to let you give us everything we need. We forget to read our Bibles. We forget to pray. We forget to spend time in community. Those of us that are just so busy with life and we're not searching elsewhere, we're just not searching at all. And that we need to be with you, God. If any of you are facing that right now, I'd love for you to just raise your hand for a moment so I can pray for you. God, we thank you that you have so much more than we could ever ask for of what we actually need, that you know our needs better than we do and that you're so excited to give us your relationship, your love, your provision for every need in our life. I pray that we would remember to seek you, remember to prioritize that. Know that we need to serve from full hearts from you, that sometimes there is a place to slow down and just be with our God, be with our Father and our friend, our Savior, our Good Shepherd who wants to make us rest in green pastures beside still waters. I pray you just take us there, God. And finally, if there's anybody this morning that I'm talking about searching, you realize that you're still searching for God. You never had that moment where you actually experienced God. You came to know God where you were like, oh, this is what fresh air tastes like. You're still going, I don't know where God's at, but I want to find him. If you're in that place, I'd love for you to raise your hand, and I'd love to just pray for you in this moment.
God, I just bring those to you that are still searching for you. I pray that you'd open their eyes to you. They would see your presence in their life. They'd see how you have been pursuing them. That you love them so much that you would come to earth for them. But you also love them so much that you're looking for them in every part of their life. And I pray you'd open your, your eyes, their eyes to see you. They would experience you in whatever need, their greatest need is in their life right now. That they would bring that greatest need to you and that you would just say, I've got it. I want you to see who I am. I love you so much. I'm going to provide here and show you my heart and my character. God, I pray that out of the freedom that we have, that we don't have to search anymore for you, that we are with you, that we'd be faithful to take this opportunity to serve people. That we'd be able to hit pause on whatever good thing we're doing to do the best thing that you've given us, to serve those in need our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, the person we don't know at all but is in need, and that you opened our eyes to that opportunity, that we would take that and be faithful followers of you, Jesus. In your name, amen.